Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll feature Ted Landau, who will be talking about OS X Mountain Lion and some predictions about the possible next iPhone. Mike Prospero of Laptop Mag is going to be talking about Windows 8 compared to Mountain Lion and plenty of goodies coming from Kirk McElhern, all this and more, on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Ted Landau returns to the Tech Night Owl Live. We've got a lot of things to talk about, focusing primarily on OS X Mountain Lion, as you listeners know. My experiences with Mountain Lion have been pretty good. I've seen a few glitches, and of course there are reports right now that battery life on a number of different Mac notebooks may be severely reduced under Mountain Lion. Ted Landau, have you encountered anything like that? No, <laughs> but I certainly haven't tested it. Mostly I'm working on a Mac Pro. I have a MacBook Air, and I suppose I could test it on that. It's mostly connected to uh, NAC power all the time, except when I travel, and I'm not traveling right now. So I haven't had an opportunity to test it out other than to do it deliberately just to see if I have the symptom, and I haven't gotten around to doing that yet. There's a report at Ars Technica where they were getting eight hours out of a specific Apple notebook, I guess the one with Retina display, and they were getting five hours on your mountain lion. So we'll have to see what that means. You know, there are always reports that there will be a maintenance release, as you know, Ted, Mm -hmm. within the first few weeks after a new OS comes out from Apple. Oh, it's not unusual at all. They've probably been working on a maintenance release before the current release was even out. Because at some point, they have to go Golden Master, and probably even before they go Golden Master, they're already working on the next update. But yeah, a new update could come out as early as next week. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. It would keep in the timetable, you know, three, four mm-hmm. weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. And as you say, they reach a point in developing an operating system where you say, okay, that problem we can't fix now. It doesn't seem to be serious enough or we can't duplicate it. It's going to be in the next version. That's how things go. Your experiences with Mountain Lion, have you had any problems? Very few. It's been it's been a great uh, upgrade actually coming from Lion. Uh, Lion was a major change. Uh, Mountain Lion less of a major change I think than going from Snow Leopard to Lion. But a remarkably stable one I think overall. Like you said, there are things that can go wrong. I've read some things that that some people have found have gone wrong. Uh, some of them involve situations that don't affect me because I don't use the relevant software or something like that. But basically, I think for the average user using primarily Apple software and a couple of other things, uh, it's going to be very good. Now, in terms of danger signs, what are the things you shouldn't do if you just want to really jump into a new operating system? Are there precautions you should take? Well, yeah, I think the the obvious ones, you should be backed up before you try anything because if, if something does go wrong, you don't want to put all your data in jeopardy. So if, if you have you know, important photos and music and whatever on, on one drive and one drive only, and that's the drive you're going to update to Mountain Line, you don't want to do that until you've backed up. A lot of stuff can be backed up to the iCloud now, which is kind of nice. If that doesn't that that isn't sufficient for all your backup needs. Uh, there's other online backup services, uh, Dropbox, and of course the official ones like CrashPlan and so on. And of course, uh, having it backed up to an external hard drive is always good. Uh, Time Machine, whatever, whatever you do, that, that's the first thing I would do. Another thing you might want to do is check out the web pages of important third-party software. You know, if there's some software that's critical to your workflow every day and it's not made by Apple. 
Uh, you might want to go to their website and see if you can find a page where it talks about mountain lion compatibility because you might find that there's a problem. Now, that actually is one that I that happened to me. I use Snaps Pro, which is a utility for taking screenshots of, of the Mac screen a lot because I'm always writing articles about Mac stuff and taking screenshots to illustrate what I'm talking about. And it turns out that Snaps Pro is not entirely compatible with Mountain Lion. There are some important features uh, such as the option to s- select a specific window Window and nothing else. Just some, there's a way to just click on a, on a window and have it instantly select that window and nothing else, so you don't have to use a selection rectangle and try and line it up perfectly. That option is broken in Snaps Pro with Mountain Lion. It'll crash the application if you try and do it. So that put a serious kink in my ability to use Snaps Pro for screenshots for now. They, they say they're working on it, and they should have an update soon. But if I absolutely needed that, I'd probably not update to Mountain Lion until they fixed it. One of the things you find is that third-party utilities that might grab some kind of operating system capability may find that the operating system capability they grab is changed Mm -hmm. or just disappears. It ups and disappears. Mm -hmm. And Apple and its inscrutable logic can possibly explain that, or they won't explain that to developers, so they have to develop a new way. Absolutely. The inscrutable Apple. Like, for example, here's an example that maybe you know about, and I never used the feature, but Adam Inks mentioned it to us on last week's episode of the Tech Night Out Live. Web sharing under Mountain Lion, it's gone. It's vanished. Hmm. I never used it before, and uh, so I never took notice that it was gone. Well, I think people who want to test websites would bring it on. It was very easy to use. And if you look online, there are ways to go into the command line and bring it back. There are probably now some of those OS X maintenance utilities that probably bring it back unofficially because all mm-hmm. Apple did was hide or remove the front end to the capability mm. which is behind the scenes. I don't know why. Maybe people are getting confused with it. As I said, I never can explain what Apple does. Like Here's mm. an example that you mentioned in a piece for the Mac Observer. Safari had RSS capability where you get these feeds from different sites where you can see like a quick summary of what's being posted, then you click on the summary and get the entire article. Well, RSS disappeared from Mail, disappeared from Safari. What's going on here? Nobody knows. Uh, Apple is insane. It's just something that they decided to do. The presumption is that Apple decided to do it uh, because it wasn't that popular and well-used a feature, and so maybe they said, well, let's just save ourselves the time of having to support something that, that not that many people are using and may get in the way of, uh, of people that don't know what it is. That's the presumption, but Apple is insane. Uh, I, I certainly don't agree with that presumption. I think a lot of people do use it. A lot of people will tell you, if you're familiar with RSS feed, feeds, a lot of people say, well, you know, you don't have to use it in Safari anyway or any web browser. There are these dedicated RSS readers like uh, Net, Net Newswire or Reader that will allow you to do the same thing and even, even better because it will give you a complete list of all your RSS feeds that you can then scan very quickly. And that's all true. And I use, uh, I use Net Newswire actually. It isn't a complete substitute for wanting RSS support in Safari for me. I find that RSS support in Safari was useful for wanting to get a small collection of RSS pages that that, uh, I frequently wanted to access without having to bother to go to a separate app. There were some Apple web pages that had RSS support that I used. My own websites like the Mac Observer and Macworld, I had RSS links for that I would frequently access. 
And then NetNewsWire, if I want to look at an RSS feed, at, at least uh, the way I do it, I haven't looked at every possible option that I may have, but typically you have to subscribe to the feed in order to even look at one page. Maybe I don't. Maybe this is an RSS feed that I don't intend to look at very often. I don't want to subscribe to it. I just want to open this one RSS page and look at it on this particular day. Safari let you do that very easily. You just click the RSS link and you were looking at it. Uh, and again, you didn't even have to leave Safari. So if uh, if you were reading some blog and the blog said go to this RSS page for a complete list of of whatever it is that they're talking about, you could just click on the link and Safari would stay right with you and you'd be there and looking at that complete list and it would be very nice. All of that is gone in Safari 6. You can't do any of that. It's just gone and with no warning or explanation. And even perhaps, I don't know if I say even more uh, annoying, but if you were using mail, you mentioned it was gone from mail too. It's not just gone in Safari. It's gone from OS 10 mountain line altogether. And if you were using mail to keep track of an RSS feed, the next time you launch mail or the first time you launch mail in mountain line, all those saved RSS items will be gone without any warning. There's no, you know, there's no message that says you're about to launch a new version of mail. You're going to lose your RSS feeds. Do you want to save them in some way or anything like that? No, no warning. You just launch mail and you look for those RSS feeds that used to be there and they're not there anymore and they're and they're they're gone. They're not to be fair, they're not completely gone from your drive. There's a way you could ferret them out in a library folder, but most people aren't going to do that. It's called launch and lose mm-hmm. or L A L. You know, like laugh out loud, L O L. This is L A L. I just made this up by the way. Okay. Well. Launch and lose. And now that I made it up, I think people are going to say, Well, lose that too. If, or if it's Ted is about to agree with me. We have Ted Landau joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, this summer you and your team will probably be working from different locations. And that's why I recommend GoToMeeting, where you can meet online with clients and colleagues from just about anywhere. GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix allows you to collaborate on files and plans online. And with HD Faces, you just need a webcam to turn your online meetings into a group HD video conference. You can even participate in HD Faces meetings from your iPad. How about that? Work smarter this summer with GoToMeeting with HD Faces. You know, my listeners can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, use the promo code PODCAST. Once again, the promo code is PODCAST. You go to GoToMeeting.com, you click the Try It Free button. Take it from me. This is going to be your savior for doing those online meetings in the summer. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237.
Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8x8 inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMP bag when you check out at disasterstuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember disasterstuff.com. Freedom through self reliance and personal responsibility. The summer specials are on at HHA, Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big at HerbalHealer.com. And you customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, liquid CalMag vitamin D and organic iodine, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Super 2, Natural Laxative, our exceptional product Tonixin, Memory Power, and Super Male and Femplex, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. Also get 10% off on the Herbal Healer Academy Survival Course, information that might save your life. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at TechNightOwl.com. That's news at TechNightOwl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Ted Landau joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, and we talk about what Apple giveth, they taketh away. So for reasons unknown, RSS feed support is gone. There are other ways of doing it now. In my particular case, I use it most often to retrieve the podcast files from my network for the weekly show. Mm -hmm. Because here's what happens. If you go to GCN site, GCNlive.com, to get the Tech Night Out Live or the Paracast, they offer the episodes in podcast form in separate files for each hour. So what I do is I grab those files and I stitch them together to make one file from our site. You know, very simple, very basic thing to do. Now if I want to do it, what do I do? I subscribe to the feeds in Net Newswire, and I grab the files from there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so whatever that means, we have to wonder why Apple did that, why Apple removed web sharing. Are there any other features that Apple taketh away? Yes, but I want to add one more thing about the sure. whole RSS thing, and that is if you click on an RSS feed link now in Safari, in theory it should take you to whatever RSS reader you're using. 
but it may or may not. I talk about more in the article. But one thing that that you may ask is, well, what if I've never picked an RSS reader for Safari to go to? How does it know where to go? Well, in Safari 5, there was a setting that said essentially default RSS reader, and it was a pop-up menu that listed all the RSS apps that, that it could find on your drive, and you selected the one that you wanted to be the default when you clicked on a feed link in Safari. That option, along with everything else related to RSS, is gone in Safari 6, and you may wonder, well, where did they move this default reader thing? And they didn't move it anywhere as far as I or anyone else has been able to tell. It's just completely gone, which means that there is no easy way to tell Safari what your default choice for a reader is. Maybe Apple thinks you're only going to have one, and they'll just use the one that they find, but if you had two or three on your drive and you wanted to pick one as a default, there's currently no easy way to tell the operating system to do that. And again, it just doesn't seem to make sense that Apple would have to do all this. The first sentence of my article was, if it isn't broke or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that seems to be a clear case of what happened here. This was all working fine, and Apple just broke it. Okay, so you click on an RSS feed file now. Mm-hmm. What- does it do? Well, when I was working with it, it did a couple of potentially different things. One is, it, if you're lucky, it may go to an RSS reader app, uh, especially if you only have one on your drive, it may ferret it out and just go there. Another thing is, if it can't find anything, it may put up an error message that says you need to go to the Mac App Store and find an RSS reader and download it, and presumably after you do that, it'll figure out that that's the one that Safari should go to. Or in my case, even stranger things can happen if you have, uh, especially as I did, if you have a third-party system preference pane install called RC Default App, which was used to des- exactly to designate default apps for things that Apple didn't officially provide support for, or even if they did. And in my case, when I installed Mountain Lion, and initially when I installed Safari 6 without RSS support in Lion, it defaulted to going to Mail. When Mountain Lion was installed and the RSS support was gone from Mail, as well, where was it going to go? For some reason, RC default app decided it was going to go to an app called Fluid, which I had on my drive, and Fluid couldn't handle it and put up a message that said infinite loop error detected. In other words, Fluid wasn't fluid enough. Yeah, and I thought maybe it was giving me directions to Apple's headquarters or something like that, but no. Uh, it just, you can stand outside uh, of Apple's headquarters uh, and protest. That's right. But, and so uh, all sorts of strange things can happen, which again is another objection I have to this whole thing. Here you have a system that was working just fine, and now you have the potential for all sorts of errors to appear that didn't happen before, and again, for no particularly good reason as far as I can tell. <sighs> Inscrutable. Of course, Apple took mm-hmm. away the save as feature, but they restored it more or less for Mountain Lion. So do we see autosave being better now under Mountain Lion as a result? Well, you said they restored it more or less. I think the growing consensus now is that they restored it less, more than more. Okay, let's explain why. Well, first of all, in order to get Save As, you have to hold down the Option key. And then I I believe it's the duplicate command in the file menu that then changes to Save As. And if your first thought is, aha, this is going back to the Save As command from olden days, from Snow Leopard and before, you would be wrong. Essentially, and there are a number of articles on the web that go into to this in detail, uh, but but essentially, autosave is built into Mountain Lion as well as Mount as well as Lion, and autosave still works pretty much the same way as it did in Lion, which means that your document is being saved every few minutes, whether you select a manual save command of any sort or not, and so when you select save as. It saves a copy of the document the way it currently exists, but thanks to autosave, it saves 
the current version of the document as your original as well. So as the, at the moment that you select Save As, you have two copies of the document and they are both identical. You're used to thinking that Save As creates a new document the way it currently is and the original retains the way it was at the time of the last time you selected Save, which might be or the time you open the document if you haven't selected Save since you opened the document. Uh, so, for instance, you could open a document today that you've been using for several weeks, make a million changes to it, select Save As, the, the changes are on the Save As version of the document, and the original is still the way it was when you opened it. Not now, there's a confusing system preference in general mm -hmm. that will drive you nuts. Actually, two of them. And I know there's a long piece over at Tidbits to explain this. But, okay. It is maddening. It's The first one is ask to keep changes when closing documents, and that's kind of like a traditional thing where you close a document and changes have been made. It says, do you want to discard the changes or save them? The second one is close windows when quitting an application. When selected, it says, open documents and windows will not be restored when you reopen an application, which you may or may not want. But the combination of this, the various permutations of these two settings can drive you nuts. Yes, and if you set them incorrectly, it makes the whole business with Save As even worse. Because if you have the option to, say, get a message when you're closing a document, that can actually be a sort of a backdoor way of getting you out of the dilemma that I just described. That is... Well, actually, it, it wouldn't You'd have, you'd, because, no, it wouldn't in that particular case. I take it back. But, but it does give you a backdoor way when you're working with a document, when you close it. If autosave has saved a bunch of stuff and you don't want the autosave changes, you can essentially say revert when you close the, the window and that message pops up. If you disable that option or enable it, whichever way it works, I don't even remember, so that that message doesn't pop up, the window just closes automatically when you click to close. No warning or request message appears, and any autosave changes are automatically saved. There's no way to un undo it at that point. Other, well, you could go back and look at the versions option, which is kind of awkward as far as I'm concerned. But yes, you could back out that way. But but the but you don't have a copy of your document. It's easily accessible anymore that that doesn't have the autosave changes. So basically, here Apple is supposed to have the operating system that just works. The problem is when it gets to autosave, it's not at all certain how it just works because you've got all these little crazy exceptions to the rule that may or may not work. And to make matters worse, of course, it only functions on applications that support autosave. And right. that's optional with app developers. They right. may decide, well, we don't really want that. We're not going to support the feature. Like, for example, let's take a look at Microsoft promised and I'll get into more of this in a moment. Microsoft promised support for Lion last year, but I want to tell you what they did. We have Ted Landau. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio.
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. We've all heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, a wise saying for sure. Now apply that wisdom to nutrition. Don't judge milk by the animal. Camel milk, the best kept health secret ever. See for yourself at camelmilkforsale.com and look for the summer camel milk special. Loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk, camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk. 10 times higher in iron. Plus, it contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm, shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under products and pricing for the summer special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables, and improves shelf life and when rain is not in the forecast no worries em1 improves moisture retention in soils helping reduce drought stress just like you prepare all else prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with em1 from terraganics.com order now at t-e-r-a-g-a-n-i-x.com or call toll free 866-369-3678 that's 866-369-3678 terraganics life's getting better We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Ted Landau joins me on the Tech Night Owl live. 
He writes for the Mac Observer. He contributes to Macworld. He does a lot of troubleshooting, and there are a few things that are screwy. About OS X Mountain Lion, we were pointing out the way documents are managed with autosave and versions and all that. And the other problem being that some apps, because they support Apple's update, such as Pages, the word processor, support all this document management, all the peculiarities. Then we have this note last year, a story I read, where Microsoft said that they would update Office 2011 to support full-screen apps version autosave in the near future. It's a year later, and Word supports full-screen apps, but I can't see any evidence that autosave is supported. And that's the problem, too. You get used to autosave in some apps, but in other apps it doesn't work. Yeah, and the save as command in those older apps works the way people who are longtime familiar with, with OS X expect it to work. But the save as in the new line, mountain line support method doesn't works differently. And so then you have to try to perhaps uh, disentangle when is save as working one way and when is save as working another way. Or hit your head against the wall and maybe it'll feel better. <laughs> well, I could do that, but I, I try not to do that. These are the peculiarities of Lion and Mountain Lion. I guess if you take some of the surveys to heart, I suppose the Mountain Lion way is better. I suppose when more app developers get around to supporting this behavior, at least you'll get used to it. You won't have to say, well, wait a minute. Let me look at the title bar. Let me look at the menu bar. Let me figure out if this app supports autosave or not. Yeah, I think it's probably more of a problem for people who are used to the older way of doing things uh, and, and liked it and don't see a big reason for a change. People who are newer to the Mac and more open to doing it with, it with whatever way they first confront may actually like it more. It's possible. There are certainly advantages to it. I think the problem for me is in the Save As thing that if you're going to bring back Save As – and, and essentially imply that you're restoring an older way of doing things for the old-timers who want it, then that's what you should do. But that isn't what Apple did. The save-ask command in the, in, the, in the new mountain line setup is really a very slight variation of the duplicate command. It's not that much different. In the duplicate command, you wind up with two documents open at one time. In the save-ask command, you wind up with just one document open when you're done. But aside from that, they're, they're really almost the same thing, and, and, it's, and that's a bit misleading. But if you're going to do it, why have to do it by holding down option key, which is how you engage save-as? Maybe have another preference check where saying, please restore save-as. In fact, Please get rid of all these nutty features and restore everything the way they were before. I don't think that's an option that Apple actually built into the operating system. No, I don't think they're going to do it. I'm being silly. I suppose it's possible for third parties to do some of that, but then it'd be complicated for an app that does support autosave. I don't know how they'd create that option. Well, I guess they can use some of the magic that John Goto used for default folder. Uh, I'm actually working on an article about uh, changes to default folder in, in Mountain Lion and, and the, the, the default folder app that, that you referred to as having some problems dealing with some new changes in Mountain Lion, but that's coming up for me next week. Check it out in Macworld next week. Okay, and certainly maybe in the future we'll have John Goto come on the show. He's been on the show before. He's been around the Mac universe for many years, and he understands the ins and outs of Finder and Open Save Dialog management. Better so maybe than he can explain it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, if there's anybody who could do it, he would be the one. And that program is called Default Folder 10 or X, and we'll right. have to see what he's going to do about Mountain Lion support. I think it's unfortunate people don't hear about stuff like that. 
Yeah, all these cool little utilities. It's, and it's going to be harder. You know, you said, well, someone could write a utility that overrides the way Apple wants to do it. Yeah, you could, but it gets harder all the time, especially because uh, utilities that can do those sort of things, generally speaking, aren't uh, admitted into the Mac App Store. And so you're not going to find anything like that in the Mac App Store. You're going to have to search for it outside. And there, I suspect there's going to be less and less of these utilities uh, going forward. Now, we had you on just a few weeks ago, and we were talking about sandboxing in mm-hmm. the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. So now the sandboxing got into effect June 1st. Mm-hmm. So it's now two months old, two months and a week and a few days old. Do we see any changes? What's happened to the various apps now that the Mac App Store requires sandboxing for all new entrants? Well, I think we talked about it before. I mean, the, the, the bottom line right now is I think it's going very smoothly. That that there are some problem apps that that aren't making it into the store. There are some features that I think users will miss because those features won't be allowed in the store. And over time, I think some of those issues may become irritating as as users become more and more aware of them. But for the moment, I'd have to say that it's not a big problem at all. I mean, there, you don't I. I, I I personally don't see anything anywhere where there's this groundswell of users saying, oh, my God, you've wrecked the whole Mac universe now, and, there, and all the things I want aren't in the App Store, and you, know, you have to change this policy. I think, I think most users aren't even, probably aren't even aware that the policy is in effect. Uh, and My guess is the majority of Mac users have never heard the word sandboxing before, and, uh, and they're just perfectly fine with how things are. They think when you say sandboxing, you're talking about Beach Boy Brian Wilson and how the way he used to hang out back in the 60s when he was having serious emotional difficulties, although he doesn't seem to use sandboxes anymore. No. It doesn't do that. But the other thing, of course, is it's the exceptions that really apply here. Maybe there's 1% or 2% of apps <laughs> that can't get in the Mac App Store because they will not be able to work with sandboxing and have all the features intact. Yeah, I think as long as you can get the apps outside the the App Store, uh, I think the problems will be minimal. Uh, the the problems, if they really become serious, will be if and when there, there are increasing number of restrictions that Apple imposes on apps that aren't in the App Store, and making it so that uh, so, so that they can't really function. You know, if we were just talking about all these new ways of saving uh, and the duplicate command and the save as and this whole new model that that Microsoft you pointed out hadn't hadn't adopted yet. Well, you know, what if at some point Apple said only apps that are sold in the App Store can even adopt that model. Uh, you're going to be stuck with the older model if you don't sell your app through the App Store. Yes, but uh, if enough developers yeah. complain and enough Mac users are encouraged by developers to complain, Apple does listen to its user base. Obviously, they got complaints about the loss of Save As. It may not be restored in the way we want it to be restored, but it has been restored because Mac users said, bring it back. I get the sense that Apple listens to the user base a bit more than they listen to developers. Uh, I, th- I mean, developers are important to Apple, clearly, and they, they want to make them happy, and they have their WWDC party every year. But, but at the same time, I think uh, when developers complain about something and users seem to be not bothered by it, the odds that the developer complaints alone are going to get any sort of major change are, are minimal these days. Apple 
just says, you know, this is the way it's going to be, like it or leave it. And when you're the biggest company on earth, uh, you're not likely to leave it. That's it. So developers have to take it and they have to possibly give up their apps. But I don't know. I don't see Apple wanting to do that. I think they will want to have a set of rules for their own store to have control, to provide security protections. And maybe they can be persuaded to find different or innovative ways to open up sandboxing to allow for more features to be accessed. Well, we'll see. Or maybe I'm too optimistic. Yeah, I think they would like uh, apps to be sandboxed as much as possible. And I suspect that over time they will make it more and more uncomfortable for developers to have apps that don't conform to the sandboxing rules. But we'll see. Okay, so maybe we'll look at this again in a few months and see what developers say and to see where it goes. And maybe we'll talk to some more developers and see how sales are being impacted, especially after Mountain Lion came out where it's basically pushing you to use apps from the App Store or apps that have been given a digital signature or digitally signed by the developer, which gives Apple control if they do things. Or it may just be, you know, the paranoia over potential malware. And we saw that, of course, with the flashback malware that came out. We have Ted Landau. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. 
now at DeseretFoodStore.com. Sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com. Spell D-E-S-E-R-E-T FoodStore.com. Or call 801-444-1444. Food for now. Food for life. In a coming apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Four, five, six, even seven dollars a gallon? According to fuel industry insiders and economic experts, those are the forecasted fuel prices with no end in sight. Fight back fuel prices with a fuel saver from airfusionsystems.com. These fuel savers can save you from 20 to 40 percent. They're designed to fit any vehicle from compacts to SUVs to transport trucks. The fuel saver works on all gas, diesel, even propane engines. Easy do-it-yourself installation in about 15 minutes. And the best part? No engine modifications, no computer chipping, no running wires, no chemicals, no water, no running costs, and no maintenance. And these fuel savers come complete with all parts and accessories. See how it works at airfusionsystems.com, spelled A-I-R-F-U-S-I-O-N, systems.com. Or call 888-887-9981, 888-887-9981. Fuel savers from airfusionsystems.com. Save fuel, save money, save earth. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. One more segment with Ted Landau. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. He writes for the Mac Observer at macobserver.com. Of course, he works over there writing articles just as our friend John Mortolero does. He also writes pieces for Mac World magazine. So he's all over the place in his semi-retirement. We call it a semi-retirement because you're still working. That's right. I, I used to also be a college professor, and I'm completely retired from that. So that's where the semi-retirement comes from. Okay, so can we still call you Professor Landau, or is that... Uh, yeah, you can, but I'm not likely to, to answer to it. Okay. Hey, Professor, where are you? What did you teach, by the way? Neuroscience courses in the psychology department. Okay. Well, the psychology of developers would be an interesting piece to study. Let's look at the future here. Now, if we believe what Jim Dalrymple said with one of his pithy comments when I asked him, will there be an Apple Media event on September 12th? His response was yep or yes. So inasmuch as over the past three or four years, Jim has always been accurate, we'll take him at his word. Assuming Apple introduces a new iPhone, an iPhone 5 or the new iPhone, do you have any expectations of what you'd like to see? 
No, not not a lot of expectations. Uh, I, I'm usually almost always content to wait and see what Apple does. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I could say there are some things I might like. I, I expect to see LTE support in the new iPhone. I'd be shocked if it didn't have that. There's been a lot of talk about having a larger screen. I think that would make it more competitive with the other popular phones. I don't want it to be so large that it doesn't fit comfortably in my pocket. I think the, a four-inch screen could be accommodated without making the overall device much larger. I think we might see that. There's been talk all over the web about having a smaller dock connector be introduced, uh, having a micro SIM card be introduced. I think both those things are likely to happen. Uh, Of course, it's going to support all the new features in iOS 6, and I suspect that they will improve the camera in some way, since they're almost always fiddling with that uh, whenever they come out with a new uh, iPhone. There might be some further innovations in Siri that that they haven't talked about yet that, that we might see. All those things are coming, but you know, I don't have any, there isn't a strong thing that says, you know, that, you know they must have this, or I'm not going to get a new iPhone, or, or this is going to be terrible if they don't have it. Maybe except for the LTE support, that'd be the only one I'd say is on a must list. But the rest are, are all would be nice, and I'm, like everybody else, I'm going to wait and see what Apple does, and I actually hope that they have some surprise. My movie Rocky type, uh, not that Apple is Rocky anymore, they're, they're in the other position, but, but my movie type uh, plot line is having watched Samsung eat away at Apple's uh, market share and uh, to, to some extent this year and having that patent trial go on and all, all the animosity that's generated there is for Apple to come out with some amazing new iPhone 5 that just trumps whatever Samsung has done and then it, suddenly everybody says, well, that's it. We have to get an Apple iPhone, forget Samsung. You know, it would be cool if they actually could pull off something like that. But Well, it would work for about six months, and then Samsung would, would have an imitation, of course. That, that's right. But for right. the moment, it would be nice. Uh, it would be a nice storyline. But I actually don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think there's there's some you know sledgehammer new feature that Apple is going to come out with that, that will destroy the competition. That's a, it. Apple will produce an iPhone sledgehammer. That's it. That's yeah. what's going to be. What about a small iPad? Yeah, well, I I wrote a piece last, I guess, January now, in which I argued that a a smaller iPad made sense from a profitability point of view, that all the smaller devices, the Kindle Fire and so on, that that were being sold, why should Apple cede that market to somebody else? It's just like, for me, it was just like when Apple had the classic iPod as the only iPod model, and there were all these SSD-based smaller MP3 players that were coming out. And at some point, Apple said, yeah, yeah, we'll call it the iPod Mini or or whatever else they they wound up calling at the time. There was a name change at one point, and it's it's all gangbusters. And now it's the most popular selling iPod that, that you can buy. Uh, and uh, I don't think a seven inch iPad will replace the ten inch one as the most popular one because I actually think the ten inch. Uh, size is is more optimal for for most people, but uh, I think Apple can make a ton of money uh, and and take away market share uh, from from other companies by coming out with a seven inch one. And signs point to the fact that they're likely to do it in September as well. But they're talking the- of a seven point eight five inch form factor, just shy of eight inches. Mm-hmm. Also, it will have a four three aspect ratio, and what this means is the seven inch tablets you see now, the Nexus Seven from Google, the Amazon Kindle Fire they are all widescreen. So if it's a standard aspect ratio, you get a lot more screen real estate. Someone estimated 66% of the full-size model. Mm-hmm. If Apple could sell that for 249 or 299 for the basic 16-gigabyte version, I think it's going to really trounce the competitors. 
Yeah, price gets to be a tricky issue. You know, if you're in the price range that you're talking about, uh, Apple currently has, doesn't the iPod Touch cost about that much? And uh, the iPod Touch starts at $200 and, and goes up from there. So, you know, if you start talking about an iPad mini at, say, 250 uh, you're talking about an iPad mini that could cost as much as some of the iPod Touch models are costing. And uh, it'd be interesting to see if Apple thinks that that's okay. Well, look here, for example, we have the iPad 2 at 399 So mm-hmm. if you have a smaller form factor, you kind of say, well, I guess $299. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be a pretty good price right there, 299 Because understand that the Nexus 7 at 199 is for 8 gigabytes, which is barely, hardly enough to mm-hmm. do anything. Mm-hmm. The 16 gigabyte version is 249 mm-hmm. So if Apple's only $50 more with more screen real estate, it becomes a better value proposition. Oh, I agree. I think 299 would be a good price for it. Apple doesn't have to match the exact price of those other models in order to be competitive. But I ju- I'm just wondering if that will drive a change in the price of the iPod Touch. Well, the thing is, of course, in terms of pricing, Apple doesn't sell stuff unless they earn a good profit. Mm-hmm. And the published reports say that the profit margins on a Nexus 7 at 199 and the Kindle Fire are slim to none, maybe more now because the cost of parts has gone down. But they're yeah. not making a lot of profit. They're hoping to sell you content. These yeah. are loss leaders, so to yeah. speak. They're like printers. You sell printers cheap, and everybody's paying for the consumables. Here, if you get a Nexus 7, you have to go to Google Play, or that's one of the options, mm. and they help you buy content. Not that Google sells anything expensive. I can understand with Amazon. You know, it's a storefront to go to Amazon to buy things, and it's not just buying music or videos. You could buy living room furniture. You can spend thousands of dollars with your Kindle Fire. Well, not only that, it locks you into a platform in the case of Amazon. I think that's big for Amazon in the sense that once you start buying books for a Kindle and buying whatever else that that might be Amazon-specific, if Barnes & Noble comes out with a nook that looks more attractive to you for one reason or another, you're not likely to switch uh, because you're saying, well, if I switch to a Barnes & Noble nook, what happens to all the book, to the several hundred Kindle books that I have? I can't, I can't open them on a Barnes & Noble. Unless there is, of course, a Kindle app, but that's the point mm-hmm. of it here, the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Once you bring people into Apple's ecosystem, mm-hmm. it's very difficult, if they're pleased with the product, for them to leave. Mm-hmm. Now, the one problem they have with the... Android tablets is there aren't a lot of special apps designed for those tablets. So you're not locked into any ecosystem that you can't replace. Yeah, they, they, have, they have more of a problem for the moment. But I, again, I do think overall that these loss leader items that you're talking about are not, in all, not only to get people to buy the, the stuff that you can get once you have the device, but also to get them locked into the platform that I think uh, you know, Google, Android devices, whatever, are willing to take a loss for a while to build up market share. Uh, and then worry about how they're going to make money. Because if they, you know, if, if they came out at a price and all they could get was five or ten percent of the market, they might as well not even try. Or it might, at this point, be a move of desperation. Well, mm-hmm. the only way we could really beat the iPad is to just make the thing so cheap that people will find it a very casual purchase. That's the mm-hmm. the casual purchase. Mm-hmm. It's less casual at three ninety nine. It's definitely mm-hmm. not casual at four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's the laws of casual purchases. 
So if you're a betting man, mm-hmm. you would bet that there will probably be a smaller iPad, maybe not at the September 12th event, but sometime this year. I think it'll be at the September 12th event if it's going to happen at all this year. Uh, I don't. There's a big announcement for Apple, and I don't see Apple having two big announcement media events in the fall. Uh, by September, October, Apple is going to be pretty much set for the holiday season. It's rare for them to come out with major new products later, certainly than mid-October. And if they're going to have an event in the middle of September, I can't see them having another event a few weeks later to introduce a smaller iPad. So my guess is they'd introduce them both at the same event. Where do yeah, we I, find more of the stuff you write about, Ted Landau? Ah, uh, you've already said uh, Macworld uh, uh, for my user friend. I'm sorry, sorry, Macworld for my bugs and fixes column, which is part of Mac 911, and the Mac Observer for my user friendly view column. Ted Landau, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. You're welcome. I'll look forward to being here again next time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Mike Prospero from Laptop Magazine, where he's reviews editor, so he works alongside with our friend Avram Pilch. And we're going to talk about the great debate, Windows 8 versus... OS 10 Mountain Line. First, I want to remind you, neighbors, 
that this episode is brought to you by Friendly Integration. They're the makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. Eyeballs provides ultimate drop protection for parents with young children, educators, and, you know, clumsy adults like me. Learn more at www.eyeballs.info. Now, that's eyeballs with a Z, B-A-L-L-Z, eyeballs.info. Use the promo code Tech Night Owl to get a 20% discount. How about that? Mike, welcome to the Tech Night Owl Live. I assume you've immersed yourself in the Windows 8 previews and in Mountain Lion, right? Yeah, that's a fair assumption. Okay, before I ask you that, I read a published report here that Microsoft is going to have to change the name of the interface from Metro to something else because there's a German retailer that owns that trademark. Is that true? Yep, that's what I heard as well. And, you know, I, I was just talking with some people from Microsoft. They're still trying to figure out the best term to use. I think right now it's Windows 8 style interface is the preferred nomenclature of the moment. Very complicated. They can't find a one-word solution. Not Why are there yet. any one-word solutions to anything? Isn't everything trademarked by now? <laughs> well, Mountain Lion, I guess, works, right? <laughs> Even though that's two, but... <laughs> Right, but nobody else uses Mountain Lion for a computer operating system. And I grant you could also say that we can call our interface Metro, even though it's the same name as a retailer, because nobody will confuse it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a shame that uh, things like this happen. But you know, I guess I guess you couldn't use Subway either or Underground. I was thinking of that sure. Subway Underground. I think the IRT. We can call it the IRT, the Windows IRT. If you don't live there in New go. York. You don't know anything about this. I grew up and rode the subways throughout my childhood, so I know all about that stuff. Alternatively, maybe the BMT would be an right. option. Or the IND. Yep. <laughs> this is getting too New crazy York for people. I know, you know Michael understands this because he's in New York, but certainly lots of us you know, wouldn't understand what those subways mean. But there you go. Of course, when I go to San Francisco, I take the BART. Hey, we can call it the BART. The Windows BART. Windows L, if you're in Chicago, maybe. I don't know. Right. <laughs> L for elevated train. That's why they call it L. Anyway, Michael, let's look at Windows 8. Now, take this or leave it. Whatever opinion you have is fine with me. And that is, I get the impression when I play with the Windows 8 previews, and might change somewhat in the final release, I take it that's kind of schizophrenic. That one second you're sitting there in Windows 8 with the tiled interface and the touch and all that stuff, and then you're back in a simplified version of the Windows desktop. Doesn't that drive people crazy? You couldn't be more right. Um, you know, it's the same thing that I've experienced as well. Um, and it's because Microsoft is trying to sort of serve two masters at once here. Uh, they want an interface that will that will you know remind people of the traditional desktop interface because this will be used on desktops you know and they don't want too much too jarring a transition between windows 8 and windows 7 in that respect at least however this os is also going to be used on tablets which is where the interface formerly known as metro comes into play hey, you're um, so using the same to... phrase i do interface formerly <laughs> known as metro thank you sir <laughs> so yeah, so so they are you know it has to serve two masters um and that's where the schizophrenia comes in right 
So there it is yeah. that they're trying to be relevant. But then you wonder about the choice of Metro or the interface formerly known as Metro. And the reason I ask this is you had kind of an inter- interface like that on the Zune, and the Zune didn't go too far. You have that interface on Windows Phone, and as we all know, and as Nokia knows to their chagrin possibly, Windows Phone devices haven't gone too far. It doesn't mean they're not good devices. It doesn't mean anything like that. It means the public has said no. So why take an interface that hasn't proven to be successful and then graft it onto a personal computer operating system? That's what I kind of try to understand. Well, I mean, to be fair to Microsoft, there is a lot of there are a lot of things with the formerly known as Metro interface that are and the Windows eight Windows Phone eight interface that are very attractive. Um, you know, the I, I personally we really like the uh, tiles actually, especially the live tiles that show you all your information at a glance and can be real personalized. I mean, it's um, you, it's a it's a refreshing change from sort of the Android and the iOS you know little tiny icon things that don't really tell you anything. You know, it's it's a nice way for Microsoft to differentiate its operating systems from its competitors. Now, in what way does and, it tell you things? Where because well, we have, for, of course, badges that appear like on an icon, say from Mail on OS mm-hmm. 10 and on iOS. You see, whoa! I've got 16 messages waiting. I better check those out. How does the interface formerly known as Metro change that? Well, well for example, uh, for the on the Mail icon. Um, you know, it also shows – the live tile will show you when you get a new message in. Um, and then the other ones, uh, I, I think it's called people or something like that, um, you know, they'll show you, you your friend's pictures, you know, and, and, and rotate them and update them. Um, there's other tiles, you know, that you can configure and customize to show the scores of your favorite sports teams, for example, or the weather. You know, so it allows you to get a lot of information at a quick glance that, you know, you couldn't necessarily get from other operating systems. Okay, so this is kind of a a better way, as you say, of of expressing this kind of information. Yes, and and it's also a, a better way of being able for individuals and consumers to customize their own experience. On, on their own devices, which, as we know, is a very important thing these days. Okay, so that sounds like an interesting advantage. Why can't or isn't Microsoft selling that to the customer? Why are the customers not paying attention? Well, I think, you know, there's a, I, I, I think it's very, it's still kind of early for both of them. So the, I think Microsoft is actually trying to sort of figure out their own marketing message themselves. And up until now, especially with Windows Phone 8, um, it's been limited by a few things, you know, a, a few hardware restrictions such as screen resolution and a few other things too. So I think when you come this fall, there's going to be some major um, uh, improvements or I, I think some major changes you'll see to, I guess, the message that is out there as well as the equipment itself. I think it's going to become more compelling as a complete package. Well, that would be interesting here. Let's look at a desktop PC. And right now, desktop PC sales really haven't gone anywhere for recent months. They tend to be down the dumps. Apple is doing somewhat better, but there's a perception that the iPad 
is cannibalizing sales from traditional PCs to a greater extent and to Macs to a lesser extent. So maybe in the next segment as we progress with this, you could tell me what you think and whether you see that being a reason. And if that's the case, more to the point, what does a PC maker do to make their boxes more compelling, not just generic where you look at the Dell and the HP and Lenovo and you say, well, I don't know, what's the difference of that? Yeah, maybe there are different features, but on the surface they look kind of like the same. I should remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that this portion of the Tech Night How Live was brought to you by Friendly Integration. They make the eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories, providing ultimate drop protection. You learn more at www.eyeballs.info. And let me tell you again, it's eyeballs with a Z. Eyeballs.info. And if you use the promo code TechNightOwl, TechNightOwl is one word, use a promo code, and you get a 20% discount on any order from eyeballs.info. We've got Mike Prospero. He's reviews editor over at Laptop Magazine. We're focusing on Windows 8, and then we'll compare it with Mountain Lion. More to come on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. 
Did you know that 50% of heart attacks are brought on by infections? Did you know that hospitals are breeding grounds for antibiotic-resistant bugs like MRSA? The environment is infected with parasites, and the mild winter means ticks with Lyme disease, mosquitoes with West Nile virus, and cold and flu viruses will be on the rise. Protect yourself with nature's natural antiparasitic, antiviral, antifungal, antibiotic, Allicin, the heart of garlic. Get concentrated protection with Ali-C and Ali-Ban from AffinityHealthProducts.com. One capsule of Ali-C equals 40 cloves of garlic or 100 garlic pills. With no garlic breath, Aliban has allicin in spray, liquid, and cream forms with three times more strength than leading brands and costs less. Go to AffinityHealthProducts.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, HealthProducts.com, or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126. Protect yourself with Ali-C or Aliban from AffinityHealthProducts.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Mike Prospero. He's reviews editor for Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. And we're focusing on Windows 8 and Mountain Lion. I propose a long question and scenario at the end of the last segment. What do PC makers, and you test all sorts of PC hardware, so you're the guy who knows this. Mike, what do the PC makers do to make their boxes compelling and kind of get out of the doldrums over there? That's a good uh, question. Um, uh, We're seeing a few different strategies. you know, chief among them, sort of, and this is a trend I've noticed over the last year or so, is that they're paying a lot more attention to the design. No, you know, notebooks are no longer sort of generic beige or you know brown or black boxes, you know, that are loaded with uh, you know just loaded with components and not much else is not much thought is given to how they look or feel. Um, that's changed a lot. I think you know each notebook manufacturer is definitely trying different things and sort of has their own style and is trying to make an impression to the consumer that way. And it's interesting, actually, um, we just got a notebook in from Vizio, which is actually entering the uh, notebook space. You know, they're more known for their TVs, but now they're coming out with uh, their own Ultrabooks. And it's a very stylish system, actually. It's made out of aluminum. You know, it's very sleek. It has some, you know, you could say MacBook 
Hitchcock-esque tendencies, which is not a bad thing. But you can tell that they've clearly paid a lot of attention to the design of it, as well as other notebook makers, the more traditional ones, such as you know HP, Dell, Lenovo, you name it. And I think that's one way that no, and and that's one way that notebook makers are going to distinguish themselves. Another way is you know through the software and services they offer. Uh, a lot of notebooks now are paying more attention to, for example, the audio. Um, HP has Beats Audio integrated into a lot of their notebooks. What does that uh, mean, Beats Audio? What does that mean for people who don't follow all the jargon? Sure. Beats Audio is a uh, utility that enhances the sound quality coming out of uh, a notebook, uh, notebook speakers. And there's a number of different, within the utility, there's a number of different dials and settings and things like that that the user can change to his or her liking, or you can use a bunch of presets, too, that, uh, you know, really enhance the overall listening experience. So, and things like that, I think, you know, notebook makers are definitely trying to uh, use things like that to differentiate themselves and to have their system stand out a little bit more. Okay, so this and the combination of Windows 8 may be it, you think. Are you seeing, though, the fact that if we gave Windows 8 a Rotten Tomatoes score. And Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, is the website that tracks movie reviews and critical comments about a movie and, the, of course, the audience comments. And if you get a high score on Rotten Tomatoes, like uh, 70, 80, 90, then films are being highly rated by the critics. And sometimes if the viewers, the audience, says the same thing, it means that movie will probably succeed. Now, the Rotten Tomatoes score that I see just looking at the independent reviews of Windows 8, aren't very high. Doesn't that raise a little bit of an alarm for Windows 8 success? It definitely does. Um, you know, and I think the you know, and I have my own concerns about Windows 8 myself. I guess I'm waiting to see what the final project is going to be like when it rolls out. But there's definitely a few things that I think there's going to be some big stumbling blocks for consumers. Um, you know, chief among them, well, as we already discussed, is you know the two separate interfaces. Um, being able to go back and forth from both of them, I think, is going to be a little bit jarring for people. Another thing that's of concern is uh, the gestures. You know, there's a number of gestures you can use, whether on a touchpad or on on a you know a, a display itself that's touch enabled uh, that enable certain things. You know, such as uh, pulling up menus or or settings or things like that. And they're not as intuitive as you'd like. You know, there's a there's a bit of a learning curve for a lot of these things. Now, and there's no pinch to Zoom, is there? There is, actually. Because um, I was looking uh, for that, a specific pinch to Zoom, and there may be an issue with patent protection because that's a feature of the iOS. In fact, during his testimony at the Apple versus Samsung trial over intellectual property, Apple VP Scott Forstall pointed out that the pinch to zoom is one of the very important, if simple, features of the iOS that really made it easy to access specific parts of a site. Well, I mean, I, having tested out, the, the pinch to zoom functionality is common on on uh, touchpads on just about every PC uh, that, that we've tested. And there is a way to zoom in and out of the tile interface on Windows 8 as well. So I'm not sure how how uh, you, how specific to app, how specific to Apple that is. Well, also uh, what you can do with iOS is you double tap something, piece of text, and it 
doubles in size and centers mm -hmm. on the screen. Is there anything like that in Windows 8? Uh, I'm not, not to my recollection. I, I couldn't give you a, a good answer on that because I can't recall it off the top of my head. But, you know, but that is a thing, you know, there are, that's, I don't know how that that's a lot more intuitive, I guess, than, uh, for example, in Windows 8, if you swipe from the uh, right corner of the page, you know, you read, you, you can access, you know, get to the start menu or something like that. Um, and then if you swipe from the bottom, you get another set of functions. If you swipe from the top, it's another set. And then if you swipe from the left, that's a whole other set of icons. Um, so it can be confusing. You try to do a uniform set of things, and each function gives you something maybe you did not expect. Yes, and and it's and it's you have to. It's a lot to remember as well. Um, you know, I it took me you know probably a good week or so of you know of using a Windows Windows 8 tablet, you know, to to remember what certain uh, swiping motions would get me. Now, the question I would have here is we're talking about the average user who doesn't read manuals. You know, people don't read manuals. They never did. But in the old days of personal I, I, computers, we had humongous manuals. But people like you were power users. The average person is going to play around with this. It took you, the power user, the reviews editor for a major tech publication, a week to master this. What about the regular guy? Well, I don't. I don't read manuals either. All often, so. <laughs> but it, I mean, it is a concern, you know, uh, for the regular user. You know, it's one of the chief complaints that a lot of people have had. You know, is even just turning off the system. You know, it used to be, or at least it is with Windows Seven. You get the Start menu, and there's the option right there. In Windows Eight, you have to swipe from the side. Then you pull up another thing, another little icon, then another thing to finally turn off, turn off the system. And that's a lot of steps um, for something that should be very simple. That's something that's concerning me. Okay, we understand that. And I think in our next segment, we're going to ask you to give us some of your observations about Mountain Lion and what you think is good, but what also you might think is bad about it. We know there are some early release bugs that Apple's looking at. I'm going to ask you about one of them, which is the problems that might exist on some Mac portables with battery life, really losing a lot of battery life, being sucked away. We'll ask about that more with Mike Prospero, reviews editor of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 
four, five, six, even seven dollars a gallon? According to fuel industry insiders and economic experts, those are the forecasted fuel prices with no end in sight. Fight back fuel prices with a fuel saver from airfusionsystems.com. These fuel savers can save you from 20 to 40 percent. They're designed to fit any vehicle from compacts to SUVs to transport trucks. The fuel saver works on all gas, diesel, even propane engines. Easy do-it-yourself installation in about 15 minutes. And the best part? No engine modifications, no computer chipping, no running wires, no chemicals, no water, no running costs, and no maintenance. And these fuel savers come complete with all parts and accessories. See how it works at airfusionsystems.com, spelled A-I-R-F-U-S-I-O-N, systems.com. Or call 888-887-9981, 888-887-9981. Fuel savers from airfusionsystems.com. Save fuel, save money, save earth. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Alex Jones here with a great way to beat the blackouts, get off the grid, and generate your own supply of electrical power. Folks, with what's been going on in this country, I don't have to tell you about the power grid and just how vulnerable it is. That's in the mainstream news every day. Millions of people have lost their power in the last few weeks because of dangerous storms and killer heat that's pushing the grid beyond its capacity. I've always said that every family needs to be ready for blackouts. And if you don't have a backup system in place, I've got a great opportunity for you. Right now, our good friends at Solutions from Science are offering huge savings on their best-selling Power Hub unit. In fact, I think it's the best deal I've ever seen them make. It's literally thousands of dollars in savings. Remember, these backup systems don't need gas because they're solar-powered. That means there's no dangerous fumes and no noise. InfoWars listeners can get all the details at BeatTheBlackouts.com. That's BeatTheBlackouts.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Mike Prospero from Laptop Magazine joins us. Go to LaptopMag.com to check out what he and Avram Pilch and the rest of the crew over there do. So for the first couple of segments, we talk about PCs, about Windows 8. We'll get more into that in a moment. But we see that the biggest problem with Windows 8 is that the gestures maybe are not as intuitive as they should be that we have the schizophrenic interface where one second you're looking at the pretty tiles, the next second you're in a simplified version of the Windows desktop, and the twain doesn't always meet, as they say. Mountain Lion, before we go on, have you and your testing found any battery life problems with Mountain Lion? 
not yet. We haven't really run too many uh, tests on a system before and after. So I'm gonna have the for us the jury is still out on that. But you know I have been noticing a lot of people have have been saying that uh, Mountain Lion has been uh, chewing up battery life more than before. All right, so this might be an issue. And as I said, there's also a published report now that Apple is exploring a possible introduction of an 8.1 release, 10.8.1 release that may address some of these issues. So we have to see where that happens, how that happens, and how quickly it comes out. Because we assume with early release bugs, there's always a problem. Any other issues that you saw? Maybe you didn't see anything with the battery life. Did you encounter any of those .0 release bugs, anything else? Not that I can recall. We seem to have, you know, it, it seemed to go pretty smoothly uh, when we tested it out. So uh, in our test of Mountain Lion 8, uh, things seemed to run pretty smoothly. Uh, we didn't experience a battery life problem, but we haven't tested it out as extensively yet as we'd like. Now, Apple has taken a totally different approach than Microsoft. Microsoft has reinvented the wheel. Apple seems to have maybe changed a few spokes, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean that's uh that's a good way of putting it. Um I think the the main thing is Apple has a different philosophy when it comes to operating systems. There's uh there's a mobile operating system that they use for their phones and their tablets, and then they have one for uh their notebooks. And while there are some features that sort of cross between the two, um they're both very distinct. So, and you know, whereas uh with uh Microsoft they're trying to do a sort of a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. So Microsoft, it's PC Plus to Apple, it's post-PC. Tim Cook says that trying to combine the two would be like designing a product that's a mixture of a toaster oven and a refrigerator, but Microsoft doesn't buy that. That's correct. Yep. That's, that's, so, it's okay. funny that that, that, that that comment is still uh, resonating throughout the world. Well, Tim Cook has shown a remarkable ability to give you these pithy quotable sound bites. Mm -hmm. That's a good skill. Yeah, it is. And it's part, as, as revealed in the Apple Samsung trial, that's part of their, uh, that's part of their strategy is to get, uh, get journalists like us talking about Apple more than uh, Apple themselves. Well, there you go with that. We can't stop talking about Apple. Okay. So Apple has taken a more conservative approach some people complain that adding the iOS features over to OS X is a bad thing. What, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, that it's making it too much like the iOS and losing a few of the characteristics of the traditional desktop operating system. I mean, there are complaints like, for example, we used to have a web sharing feature with Mac OS X. From the very first release, look at this. You could run your Mac as a web server, maybe not to you know, run a server on the Internet, but to test your website. Lots of people use that feature. Apple killed it in Mountain Lion with no explanation. I mean, it still exists. If you know your command line, you can still get down in there and figure it out and do the setup. But mm -hmm. isn't that a little screwy that they cut things out like that? Yeah, I suppose so, but you know, Apple does things like that without, you know, they 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 follow their own counsel when it comes to those sorts of things. Um, you know, but but uh, you know, some I some of the iOS things that they did bring in, you know, are kind of 
we I did, we did found find uh, you know somewhat compelling. Uh, for example, the uh, the App Store um, that uh, that's now in Mountain Lion. I think there's you know somewhere over ten thousand apps now in the in, for the App Store, and you know the way to download them, you know, downloading apps right to your your notebook, much in the same way you download an app, you know, right to your iPhone. You know, it's a smart uh, it's a smart way to to get uh, new products and new new apps and new software on your system, and rather than sort of hunting around for them and in you know and who knows where. You know, this way it's you know curated and you know that for the most part it's going to be uh, you know they're you know sometimes I think they've come in a problem or two, but um, you know it's going to be a reliable place to get new software for your system. Now, one of the criticisms voiced about the Mac App Store is the fact that Apple enforces sandboxing, which essentially walls off one app from another, and there's only a limited way, which they call entitlements, not like the political entitlements they talk about in Washington, but the ability to access certain system features or communicate with other apps, very limited way, and therefore certain apps can't be put in the Mac App Store, we're talking about global backup, like you're doing a clone backup, like you want to back up your internal drive to an external device. There are several really good products like that on the Mac, like Super Duper and Carbon Copy Cloner, but because of what they do, copying everything on your Mac, even the stuff that's hidden, the stuff that's buried under Unix, everything, a clone, a mirror image, Apple will never allow that in the Mac App Store. Does that hurt developers? Uh, yeah, I know. I think it does a little bit. It's because you are you are limiting the functionality of things. Um, you know, that's that's always been one of the chief. That was one of the chief complaints against you know the the, the App Store for iOS. You know, is that you could you know that you know it was, it was up to Apple to determine whether or not you know your app would make it or not. You know, I think there were you know some like hotspot apps. I think if I'm not mistaken, or tethering apps. I think that was the one that weren't approved by Apple because they uh, because they added some functionality that you know Apple didn't want, um, and so you know that is that is an issue. You know while you could, you know now while you can download um, apps for for OS 10, you know outside of the App Store, not being able to get into the App Store itself, uh, you know, will definitely hurt some developers. I think also in terms of new users, people who come to the Mac from an iPhone or an iPad, they're used to getting software from something called App Store. And they look on the desktop of their new Mac, oh, App Store, this is where I get my apps, not realizing that a few percent of the apps that are available can never be offered in the App Store unless Apple opens things up. Yep. Although I guess I guess in Apple's defense, you know, things such as, you know, cloning the entire hard drive is probably something that only advanced users are going to want to do. And not really. I mean, you want to do a full backup of your drive. Wouldn't you want to easily make a clone? It's a one click process. You make a clone this way. If something happens to your internal drive, you just switch to your external firewire or USB drive and you reboot makes it real easy. I guess so. Although there, you know, I, you for the most part you could use time machine for a lot of those things yeah but time machine you can't boot from a time machine drive it's just a backup a version to backup you could restore from it but you can't yeah, boot your enough. mac from it fair enough fair enough that's a good point i'll, I'll concede that one 
That's okay. <laughs> I concede a few in my life. And as a matter of fact, if you listen to our other radio show, the Paracast this weekend, you're going to hear a really intense dust-up between myself and the guests because the guests wanted to filibuster, which is give 40-minute answers to every single mm. question. But that's another story. We want to get into that. What I'm going to ask you to do in our next segment, Mike Prospero, is to give the pluses and minuses of a direct comparison between Windows 8, and it's still based on a pre-release. The final release might be somewhat different. We grant that. And OS 10.8. Of course, we have Mike Prospero. He is the reviews editor over at Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. 
In a coming apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you. Passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Mike Prospero from Laptop Magazine joining us. He works with our friend Avram Pilch over there. Mike is the reviews editor, so the software, the hardware, he has seen it all. So now let's have the great... Comparison here. Understanding Windows 8 is a pre-release. There may be some changes along the way. We can't think serious, but some changes. Windows 8 in this corner. In this corner, we have Mountain Lion. Windows 8. Are there any advantages over Mountain Lion that you perceive? Um, let's see. Well, you know, if we go start off with, you know, the interface itself, um, the the Windows 8 start screen, you know, being able to have those tiles that you can customize yourself, um, you know, gives it an advantage over over Mountain Lion. Um, but we end up, you know, we ultimately kind of prefer Mountain Lion because it's not as schizophrenic. One place, though, that Windows 8 um, scores points over Mountain Lion, though, is in terms of sharing um, and in cloud integration. While one one area where Windows 8 does have an advantage over Mountain Lion are things such as sharing and cloud integration. Um, with Windows, with with Mountain Lion, you know they, they do have iCloud integration, but that's only if you have other iOS devices, you know, an iPhone or an iPad or things like that. With Windows 8, you can you know not only sync stuff to the cloud and and you get actually more uh, backup in the cloud. You get seven gigabytes of storage uh, versus five. With, um, but you can also sync your settings um, and take them to you know to other non Microsoft devices. And so you know, let's say you're working on your computer at home with Windows 8 or whatever, and you have you know the tile set up the way you like and things like that. You can go to some other completely different computer and you know put in your settings and things like that, and your personalized desktop you know will will appear. Okay, is, so we're talking about a more powerful, more granular 
way of syncing features that Microsoft has added to their cloud system as opposed to what Apple is adding with iCloud. And the mm -hmm. question I have then, the features that are different and better, do they always work reliably? Because that's always been a problem with any of these cloud systems. There are always little glitches. Um, well, I think for the most part they do. I mean, it's obviously it's still early in the process. So, you know, it, it remains to be seen how well it's going to work once, you know, millions and millions of people uh, start using it. Um, but, you know, we, I didn't find anything, uh, you know, laggy or anything like that when I tried it out. So, yeah, it remains to be seen, but it looks pretty good so far. All right, looking at Mountain Lion... What do you see is the feature that most trumps Windows 8? Hmm, that's a good question. It could be an overall structure. It could be an overall goal or presentation. It doesn't have to be one single feature. I'd have to say uh, gestures um, and navigation. That's one area where Mountain Lion, it's, it just, it's just more intuitive in, when, when it comes to the Mac OS than, than the Microsoft OS. Um, you don't have to. It's it's easier to it's easier to learn learn the gestures. You know, it's not and and and, and it's easier to sort of get it. Whereas with with Windows 8, there's a bit of a learning curve. So in a sense, here Apple has considered the natural way that people use their fingers in mm -hmm. developing gestures. Whereas Microsoft has maybe looked at a PowerPoint presentation. Let's have a feature for this. Let's have a gesture for that. Could be, yeah, yeah. There's still a ways to go, especially even when using the desktop version of, of Windows 8, you can tell that it's still sort of rooted in, obviously, a traditional desktop, desktop you know, paradigm. So you're not, you're not getting the same sort of touch features and functionality and touch friendliness, I should say, that you are with the tile interface. Now, are there things about Mountain Lion that are a little difficult to understand? And one, I would say, would be autosave. They've added a few more interesting features, but Apple's document management for apps that are compatible with autosave can be a mite confusing. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird, you know, the way it sort of autosaves it to thing, and then if you want another save it as something else, you have to do that. Um, it's Yeah, it's a little bit of a pain. I think I don't know what they were doing with it, but I, I think they were just trying to make it so it was uh, you know, easier to find versions of things. But They make it complicated for people. They've added mm -hmm. more features. You could rename a document from the title bar. You could move it to another place on your drive. I think in some sense they looked at a third-party utility. don't know if you ever saw this, Mike. It's called Default Folder 10, or X, from a guy named John Goto. And it's basically an open save dialog box enhancer. And this guy has been doing this software since the 90s. He's a really brilliant programmer, and we've had him on the show. We respect him a lot. And I think Apple's tried to add document management features, but they're not always obvious, and they're a little inconsistent, and maybe it's a work in progress. Hmm. Now, anything else about Mountain Lion that might be a tad confusing for the initial user? Uh, well, mission control too could possibly get uh, people a little confused. You know, when you bring up, try and bring up everything to show all. You know, it, it's nice to see everything that's running at the same time. Um, but then, you know, to, and it, but to sort of 
bounce back and forth. You know, you get into the same sort of situation where you with uh, with Windows 8. You know, where you're switching between sort of two largely different uh, screens, I guess. So you know, trying to bounce back and forth between showing everything versus showing just what you're looking at, that could that could trip some people up. I know with Mission Control, I found a solution. And you know what that is? Huh? I don't What's use that? it. <laughs> That's my solution. But in the end, if we're rating overall user experience, reliability, whatever, what would you say on maybe a one to ten scale? And you have different rating systems in your magazine, but whatever it is. How would you rate the overall Windows 8 compared to Mountain Lion? Which is the better OS and quickly why? Other than the reasons uh, we've already discussed. I, I would say uh, I would say Mountain Lion is the better operating system. I you know eight out of ten maybe. Uh, although we use a five point scale here. Um, so it'd be four you know, out of four, five. I'll go for that. Yeah, four out of five. In fact, I think in fact we did run a review of Mountain Lion, and we did give it four out of five. And there's choice as well. Um, you know, it's you know, for one thing. Well, for one thing, it's only a twenty dollar upgrade from the previous version, and but that's and that's also the thing. You know, it's a, it's it's an upgrade. It's not a completely new thing. So Apple has only had to refine things as opposed to reinvent uh, reinvent the operating system for uh, a new use case. And also, it means that the people who upgrade a Mountain Line don't have to go through relearning as they do with Windows Eight. Precisely. Um, you know, Microsoft has huge ambitions for Windows 8, um, you know, and I, I wish them all the luck in the world with it because that's, you know, it could, the way it could be used, especially with the tiles and stuff and, and the tile interface, um, it could be very revolutionary when it comes to tablets, for example. Um, but I think they may be overreaching if they try to do too much with just one operating system. So maybe you're giving it a three out of five. I wouldn't go that far down. I would say you know maybe in the five to six range. Oh, oh, three out of five. Excuse me. I'm, I'm thinking I'm if your rating system, not mine. Oh yes, I was jumping. Yeah, I would say around around there for the time being. But okay, you know, we'll have mind. to wait, of course, until you get the final release version, and then we'll have you back on. Let's talk more about Windows 8. Let's see if Microsoft managed to fix things. The things that really irritate people the few months between the public preview and the one that's released to manufacturing earlier this month, whether Microsoft made any key changes other than the interface formerly known as Metro. Yep. You have a few seconds left here, Mike. Give us a plug for what you guys are doing in the next few weeks over at Laptop Mag, especially in your reviews area. Well, uh, you know, we're getting a lot more Ultrabooks in. Um, we've got a bunch of uh, reviews that just went up recently of um, some of the uh, Ultrabooks that cost less than $800, um, which is a pretty nice thing. You know, you're getting, you know, fast performance, a really thin and light design, uh, backlit keyboards in, in many circumstances. Um you know, they're great for back to school, and you're going to see see a lot of our back to school coverage going up fairly soon too. I tell you so, what—that's where we have to stop it and end it. But we have had a new visitor to the show, Mike Prospero, reviews editor of Laptop Magazine. Go to laptopmag.com and check out all the great stuff that they have coming up there: back to school, ultra books, and lots more. 
Mike, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Many Americans suffer from digestive problems, often totally unaware they're not absorbing essential nutrients from foods and supplements. Dr. Peter Glidden is aware of the importance of healing a damaged digestive system. Now, the product that I'm going to talk about today, Mackey Plus, and it is a combination of a superfruit, the Mackey berry, and aloe vera juice. Now, aloe vera is a very interesting nutritional supplement to talk about because aloe vera, you know, it's the stuff that you put on your skin if you get a burn. And man, it really knocks down the pain, the inflammation of the burn and facilitates healing. Well, guess what? It does the same thing internally that it does externally to burns. To soothe and heal your digestive system, order Mackey Plus today by calling 855-347-3696. That's 855-347-3696 or on the web at fireyourmdnow.com. That's fireyourmdnow.com. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We're joined by Kirk McElhern. If you're familiar with MacOSXHints.com, which is run by Macworld, he's the guy in charge. He's the iTunes guy for Macworld. He has a column out called MacElhern.com. That's his blog where he talks about all sorts of stuff. And we grab him every few weeks because he's a nice guy and he's a fellow New Yorker, not necessarily in that order. A lapsed New Yorker like you. Lapsed, right. Yeah. Well, you know, they say they can take, you know, the New York out of you, but they can't take the New York out of you or something like that. They, they can take you out of New York, but they can't take the New York out of you. I know that, but I was saying it in a much more bizarro fashion because, you know, in America now we have bizarro politics. It's a new political party. And where you say a set of facts that are opposite to what the facts really are. Yeah, I, I see that on The Daily Show most days, actually. That's how I get most of my news about American politics. Isn't that funny? It takes a comedy show, The Daily Show on Comedy Central, to learn about the news in America because cable news is so screwed up. But let's look at another screwed-up world, the screwed-up world of Apple Inc. And looking over at McElhern.com, you're mentioning one useful utility called iStat mm -hmm. Menus. Really interesting. Tell us why it's so good. 
Well, I'm one of those people who likes to know what's going on in my Mac. Um, and knowing what's going on includes, for instance, how fast data is going in or out of my Mac when I'm downloading or uploading stuff, um, how much RAM is being used, how much CPU is being used. For example, let's say you're doing something and your Mac gets sluggish. All I have to do is glance into my menu bar to see um, the little lines that show the CPU activity. And if I see that the CPU is peaking, well, there's one of two things going on. One, I'm using a program that's causing it. So maybe I'm ripping a CD with iTunes and that I know. But the other possibility is that something else is using the CPU. So having this information in my menu bar just lets me just keep an eye on – it's kind of like, I don't know, kind of like some of the dials you have on, the, in, uh, on your car on the dashboard. So it's a dashboard appliance. Well, yeah, but it's not a dashboard like OS X dashboard. No, I understand that, but I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. Go ahead. It goes in the menu bar, and the modules that I use are basically the network throughput, the RAM use, and the CPU usage. And there are others, disk activity and disk usage, which I don't really need. Um, I do use the battery module on my laptop, but not on my desktop. Um, And again, they just give you a quick glance at what's going on. Like right now, I can see not much data going in and out. We're doing this over Skype. It's about 7K each way. Um, CPU is pretty calm, but RAM is pretty used up because I haven't restarted this Mac in a few days. I've got about 15 applications open. Only 15. Now, there's also a version of iStat menus that actually was designed for a dashboard widget. Yeah, that was originally how it was, and I used that for a long time. Unfortunately, Uh, in Mountain Lion, it doesn't work. It doesn't show you the open processes. It's kind of half-functional. It shows you your system load. So, for example, as we speak, my system load is 0.66, which is very low. You know, means that my iMac is loafing. But the actual processes are no longer displayed. Now, I contacted the authors of iStat to see if they will update their dashboard widget, which they offer free, by the way. And the answer is, of course, no. They're not going to update it for Mountain Lion, but it does work under Lion. Yeah, I I used the dashboard widget for a long time, and then, I don't know, a year or so ago, I upgraded because it's just so much more practical to have this stuff in the menu bar than to go into dashboard. I just press F12, and there she be. Yep. And I will see the temperature. It's 93 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona. And Uh, the high temperature temperature today, we're doing this show a day ahead of the broadcast. Uh, Because you're looking at your weather wizard. My weather wizard. That's a tongue twister, folks. Say weather wizard 10 times backwards, and you'll see what I mean. Wizard weather, weather wizard. Who cares? 113. Saturday, when you hear the show, folks, it will have been 111 in the Phoenix area. So there you go. Okay, so iStat menus. Really interesting kind of little app utility to see what the heck is happening on your Mac. See what's going on. Now, in relation to that, You've been running Mountain Lion for a while, I presume. Yeah, I installed Mountain Lion on my main Mac um, once the Gold Master was released. So that's about two weeks before the official release. But I've been using it on a laptop um, for the developer releases for a couple of months. Did you notice any reduction in battery life on your notebooks. There is an apparent problem about that. Yes. Now, I got a a Retina MacBook Pro, and I originally was using it under Lion, and the battery life was really long. And it's true that when I put Mountain Lion on, it's gotten shorter. Now, I don't use it enough to be able to really judge to say it's 50% less or 20% less, but I've just noticed that 
when I originally got this MacBook Pro, I was astounded at how long the battery would last. Or, for instance, when I'd look in the menu bar and see the percentage of battery that remained, um, I was astounded how much there was. And now it looks pretty much like, well, my previous MacBook Air, which had a smaller battery that didn't last as long. It just kind of seems that, yeah, something happened with Mountain Lion that's really affecting the battery. Now, Ars Technica, that's ArsTechnica.com, ladies and gentlemen. It's a very, very good tech site with a more sophisticated or technologically astute approach. So it's not necessarily for consumers. Maybe it's a little bit too far-reaching for just regular consumers. They did a test on their Retina MacBook Pro, and they lost 38% of the total battery life. Now, there are published reports that Apple will have a 10.8.1 update really soon that it might go into beta testing And if that's the case, you expect Apple will look at this. Now, this is not the first time that an Apple OS has had a battery life issue. iOS 5 had battery life issues with some of the iPhones, the iPhone 4 and iPhone 4S, which I noticed. And then when they had the update, they had two fixes. The second fix, suddenly battery life was great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, something is going awry, which is a very technical term also. Something happened, and it's obviously going to fix it. But, you know, it's just the usual thing that when, when a gold master comes out, the gold master, for people who don't know, um, is this actually goes back to when they would actually press um, a master for, for a disc, um, which, of course, they don't do anymore since it's downloaded. And the gold master was the final one because it was actually gold-plated. Um, so when the gold master comes out, it's safe to consider that this is the final beta rather than the real stable version of an operating system. Now, um, in some cases, rare cases, the golden master, which they call a seed by Apple, will be updated once or twice before the final release. In this case, it was not. In this the, case, it wasn't, yeah. And the same held true with Lion. Now, in Microsoft parlance, it's called release to manufacturing because Microsoft still releases physical media for right. their operating system. So it's called RTM there and GM with Apple, but it means the same thing. But what's happening is at the final stages, Apple will prioritize the remaining bugs. There always are bugs remaining. They'll prioritize them and say, well, you know, we got to get it out in the initial release, and we'll hold the rest over for the maintenance update, which is already being done. They're already yeah. working on it. Also, things will happen in the field that won't reveal themselves, like this battery life issue doesn't affect everyone. So they have to see what circumstances under which it can be produced, why they didn't discover it in the testing process. Yeah. Testing software is extremely complex. Um, Testing an operating system, of course, is more complex because, as you said, when it gets in the field, you've got such a huge number of possible configurations. Granted, this is far less with a Mac than with Windows where you've got every possible combination of PCI cards. I think it's like Um, 100 million combinations on Windows probably at this point, which is also another reason why there are so many problems with Microsoft and why they have to make so many concessions to the past – because there are so many configurations out there, I don't right. think even a company like Microsoft, which has probably three times as many employees as Apple, can possibly cope with it. It's impossible. It's impossible if you want to be really good, I think. It's possible if you want to accept a certain level of mediocrity. And like that's what happens with Windows, that it's kind of designed by committee because of all these necessary compromises that they have. Um, now, with Apple... 
So let's say, I don't know, the, the Mountain Lion is, is compatible with what, the last two or three years of Max? Something like that. And we'll go into more of this in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern. Of course, he's responsible for MacOSXHints.com, which also is user-driven. And he writes for Macworld as the iTunes guy. Lots of other stuff going on and lots to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights in your hard-earned dollars by a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas resources to help you preserve your capital. Don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing. For important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth, contact me, Steve Spillum, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver. 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Make a change in your financial security today. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. In this unpredictable world, disaster can strike anyone. That's why an essential part of any emergency survival plan must be stove in a can. When power goes out and gas lines are down, the portable, safe, easy-to-use stove in a can cooks food up to four hours and boils water in as little as five minutes. Stove in a can comes with everything you need. The stove, fuel, even waterproof matches, all in a compact, durable, heavy-duty container. Plus, the all-natural, non-explosive, 100% waterproof fuel source can be stored indefinitely. Say goodbye to the hassle and danger of propane, lighter fluid, or gas. Stock up now and protect your family with Stove in a Can, starting out at $29.99. Special bundle offers now available with a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Order yours today at StoveInACan.com. That's StoveInACan.com. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? 
We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Kirk McElhern, author, raconteur, and I'm not going into that stuff. That okay. we used to always do because he said, I want to hear that, which is why I keep doing it. Stately, you know, manner, whatever. Stately Wayne Manor belief. After the Dark Knight Rises, you know, there are a lot of question marks, and I don't want to get involved in spoiler alerts as to what happened at the end of the film. But pay attention to the last few segments of The Dark Knight Rises, and you'll wonder about the fate of Stately Wayne Manor. But you were talking about Mountain Lion. Yeah, so I was saying that um, the number of Macs that are compatible with Mountain Lion is roughly the past three years, I think. Something – it's um, kind of crazy. It's like if you have a Mac Mini, it's early 2009, which is almost three and a half years. Some right. other models, it's up to five years. So say three and a half to five years is the right. compatibility. So, so let's say that there's a total of 50 different Mac models. Assuming that a model is, for instance, today you've got four different MacBook Airs. You've got two 11-inch and two 13-inch. So that's four models right there. So you're covering about 50 models. With Windows, you've got every possible manufacturer and every possible model. You look at a Dell website, they've got 25 different laptops um, and at any given time. And of course, what happens if you go to the consumer store or the small business store or exactly. the large business store, you get different models, different. different configurations, and I doubt that anybody at Dell knows what they're yeah. selling. Add in all those permutations that you get on the Windows side, then the possibility that people have added their own graphics cards, sound cards, etc., are people still doing that in the PC world or – Oh, it's still uh, modular. You can go to Newegg.com, which is a company that sells Macs, PCs, TV sets, everything. You go to Newegg.com, you could build your own PC still from scratch right. with raw components. Buy a case, buy a motherboard, buy a graphics card, buy memory, etc., etc. But are there still a lot of people doing that? Back in the day when I had a couple of PCs, you know, I remember what this involved – I don't know. I just don't pay attention anymore. There are so many annoying possibilities. But yeah, basically, you know, there are just a gazillion possibilities on the Windows side. And for Microsoft to be compatible with all of them, naturally, they're not forced to be compatible, but they want to be compatible. They could say, hey, we're not going to support this sound card. But if there are enough people using the sound card, these people are going to get pissed off. And, you know, maybe rightly so, if it's an expensive sound card. I mean, it's not easy for Microsoft. You know, I, I think you've you got to give them some credit for navigating you know, troubled waters with all this stuff. You have to think, with all the problems that Windows has, 
it still works. But the bigger problem Microsoft has is that 43.6% of all Windows users around the planet, this planet, we don't know about other planets yet. Maybe they have a secret space program somewhere. That's our other show, The Powercast, by the way. And I don't take that seriously. But with Microsoft, 43.6% are still using Windows XP, which first came out at around the same time as the original version of Mac OS X in 2001. Yep, 11 years old. What an odyssey. That is an odyssey that so many people, and today Windows 7 has roughly the same user base. Now Microsoft is hoping, gee, maybe we'll get people to buy Windows 8. And right now, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score of tech reviewers of Windows 8 preview, it's very bad. Well, to be honest, when you look at how much it costs to upgrade Windows, I understand why a lot of people are using XP because – Let's face it, the majority of PCs are sold to businesses. These computers are used for one or two things. Um, they don't really need to upgrade them. They can use Word 97, um, and they can run XP, and they're more than happy. They don't need to change anything. But when you see, even even with the enterprise you know, site license cost and everything, it's pretty expensive to upgrade Windows. Now, of course, with Windows 8, Microsoft is reacting to Apple and selling it for only 40 bucks. I think it's a good chance that a lot of individuals, maybe not enterprise people, but a lot of individuals are going to upgrade to Windows 8 instead of paying two or 300 bucks to upgrade. Of course, Microsoft did that hoping that they'll make it up in volume, but they're giving a lot on the table. But then again, maybe they aren't because OEMs always paid a lot less. The yeah, they makers, paid, they, they, they paid $30, $30 $40 for Windows license. You had exactly. to pay, what, 150 And right. the point being, though, the enterprise is going to have a problem because whether Windows 8 is good, bad, or ugly, it's different. They have to retrain people. It's going to be a mess. And hardware requirements. So if it just so happens that they chose the wrong type of processor or the wrong sound card or video card, then they might not be compatible. It's still pretty loose, still pretty loose. Let's go back to the Mac. Windows isn't interesting. No, Windows is not interesting. We already discussed that. Windows 8 versus Mountain Lion in our previous segment with the reviews editor from Laptop Magazine. So let's not do that. One comment, I'm just, you know, for listeners who haven't heard me, I live in France, and I'm just looking on the um, French Amazon site, and they list the Windows 8 update as 54 euros, which comes out to about 70-some-odd dollars. Things have always been a little bit more expensive because of VAT and stuff like that, but that's really gouging. $40 should be about 30 euros. Add VAT, it still comes out to about 37 euros. And here it's 54. So that's really gouging. We can't get away from Microsoft. And by the way, the European Union is against Microsoft again because Microsoft was supposed to have that special utility when you first boot up Windows where you have the selection of the, the browser that you want to install. Mm-hmm. Well, on millions and millions of Windows PCs, it wasn't there. Huh. And Microsoft said, oops, I guess we goof. How could they make yeah. such a dumb mistake? I don't want to get into that. That's Let's crazy. go back to the Mac. I bet you didn't know you could select multiple files this way in OS X. Isn't that cool? Okay, explain what this is. Okay, so basically there are two ways you can select files in OS X. Let, let's imagine that you're in list view. The screenshot that I use in my article is from iTunes, but imagine you're in list view in the Finder. So you click on the first file, and then you click on, say, file number five um, while holding down the shift key. That will select all the files from 1 to 5. Now, if you wanted to select files 1, 3, and 5, you click on 1, press the command key, click on 3, and then click on 5. But what I found out, actually what my son pointed out, is that if you click on 1, press the shift key, and then click on 5, then click on 10, 
while pressing the command key, then shift key, click on 15, you're selecting from 1 to 5 and 10 to 15. Now, this sounds a little complicated explaining it on the air like this. Just um, try different permutations of shift and command. This is something um, that's interesting because one of the features that I liked about a certain word processor, which has now expanded to others years ago, Nisus, non-contiguous selection. Okay. You could double click consecutive. It doesn't have to be consecutive. If right. you play around, Apple has given you more flexibility. With Nicest Writer, you could double click a word, press the command key, double click a different word at any location, and then keep doing that. Now, I would often do that when I would want to bold or italic multiple words rather than selecting one, pressing the key, selecting another, pressing the key. Now, Nicest Writer has two versions, a pro version and express version. Right. Express being the more feature-limited version. It's got to be one of the most powerful word processors on the planet. Unfortunately, people don't hear about it very often because Nysis is a small company without an advertising budget, hint, hint. There's another fascinating word processor with a lot of crazy features on it, too, called Malel, which is made in Israel by right. the Rettler brothers. And they've been on the show. And that's another thing, too. So you're not tied into Apple's pages or Microsoft Word. You can get all sorts of interesting things. And sometimes features like Nisus are influencing other applications, and obviously Apple paid attention. We pay attention to Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. If you owe the IRS, you can't make the problem go away without professional help. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax debt problems for 30 years, and I can help you too. We can stabilize IRS collection action and get your tax debt reduced, sometimes completely eliminated. And if you received a 1099 from a bank because of mortgage or other debt forgiveness, the vast majority of the time, I can show you how to completely erase it so you pay no taxes on what the IRS will consider to be taxable income. Call us for a free consultation to discuss the many possibilities. Call 1-800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-N-O-T-A-X. Or go to my website at TaxHelpOnline.com. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you. Call us today, 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. America, land of the free. 
But how free can you be, really, when Internet viruses and malware can attack your computer? Sure, you have antivirus protection, but it's not free, is it? Until now. Now, Zone Alarm offers free antivirus protection. And independent studies show that Zone Alarm provides better malware protection than even Norton and McAfee. And they're not free, are they? Declare your freedom and go to GetBetterForFree.com. That's GetBetterForFree.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Alex Jones here with a great way to beat the blackouts, get off the grid, and generate your own supply of electrical power. Folks, with what's been going on in this country, I don't have to tell you about the power grid and just how vulnerable it is. That's in the mainstream news every day. Millions of people have lost their power in the last few weeks because of dangerous storms and killer heat that's pushing the grid beyond its capacity. I've always said that every family needs to be ready for blackouts. And if you don't have a backup system in place, I've got a great opportunity for you. Right now, our good friends at Solutions from Science are offering huge savings on their best-selling Power Hub unit. In fact, I think it's the best deal I've ever seen them make. It's literally thousands of dollars in savings. Remember, these backup systems don't need gas because they're solar-powered. That means there's no dangerous fumes and no noise. InfoWars listeners can get all the details at BeatTheBlackouts.com. That's BeatTheBlackouts.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. I have Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Owl Live, exploring the ins and outs of the world of Apple Incorporated with a short foray into the world of Windows and the potential for Windows 8. Okay, now we've talked about, as we did on this episode so far, probable problems with Mountain Lion. One bug being reduced battery life. Kirk has it. Ars Technica has it. I haven't tested because Apple has not as yet sent me for testing a MacBook Pro with Retina display. With Mountain Lion. I wonder if they're waiting for the first maintenance update before they do that. They it, you know, it's said. very possible. Because it may be. I'll bug them again because I want to take it to Las Vegas. We're going to Las Vegas for a couple of days at the end of August. Just driving there. It's just a drive. It's a simple trip. So we're set to go there, but I'd like to have the MacBook Pro with Retina display from Apple. Okay. Bug in Mountain Lion mail sends replies using incorrect accounts. What's going on here, Kirk? This is kind of weird, and so if you have a lot of us have multiple email accounts. I have six for different reasons. I use one account for one thing, another account for another thing. You know, some of it's personal, some of it's for work, etc. If I get an email in one account, I want to reply from the same account. But in some cases, mail is replying from a different account. Now, this is annoying in several ways. I may not want to give a certain email address to someone. You know, I use one account for work, one for personal, and stuff like that. 
Um, I use a particular email account for contacts I get from my website. It's just weird that when you reply to a message, in some cases, it's going to be replying from a different account than it was received to. Now, Now, let me just point out for those who check out Mail in Mountain Lion, there is a composing set of preferences. Under addressing, it has the option send new messages from, and you have several options. One, you can set a default email address based on the ones you have, or the account of the selected mailbox. Right. Which is kind of the normal way I do it. That's maybe a default. What's going wrong here? Now, I don't use the selected mailbox because I don't click on my inbox. I have a smart mailbox for all my recent mail. What's going on? Joe Kissel wrote about this over at Tidbits, um, and he gives a lot more information than I do. It looks like if you're replying from your mailbox, it's generally okay. But if you've filtered emails into folders, then it's pretty much random which email address mail uses. Not in the inbox. It knows about the inbox, and it's accurate. Right. But if you're looking at mail that's in another mailbox, right? and I'll look at one right now. As we're talking, I have another mailbox where I collect email. And it's actually moved from different source inboxes, okay, from right. different accounts. I'm going to reply, and no, well, I moved it, which may be the key here. I moved it from one account to another account, so it's going to respond from the account to which I moved it. So I don't know if that's well, no, to be no, my, or not. what I my, mine are folders that are on my Mac, not in an account. Okay. All right. So I, I sort a certain number of things into folders on my Mac. Okay, this is uh, not like I do it. I do it. I'm using IMAP mailboxes. And so am I, I, but there are still things that I filter on my Mac. Okay, so it's being filtered on your Mac, but not in a way that's the same organization as your IMAP right. mailbox. Right. Okay. But also, some of the ones, that, some of the messages I replied to from my smart mailbox, so basically these are unread messages in my inboxes, um, went out using the wrong accounts. Uh, so basically what it means is if you have multiple accounts, you need to look to make sure that you're sending from the right account. You wouldn't want to send uh, – let's say you've got an email account for your, the company you work for. You wouldn't want to reply to a message from your personal email account or vice versa, especially – in fact, the other way, you don't want to be sending your work email address to your friends maybe. Well, and here's an issue too with an employer. Responding with your personal email may be a no-no. And if you do it too often and they catch you, you could find yourself yeah, on the no, employment line. This is really serious business. I'm serious about this. Yeah, because – Or as someone companies- once said in the movie a few years ago, why so serious? Yeah. No, one of the reasons is that companies need to archive emails. So if you're replying from your personal address, they don't have a copy of that reply in your sent email. They may get it for the people who are receiving it. So yeah, it's it's an issue. It's an issue. There are a lot of people on Apple's forums talking about it. It's clearly a bug. It's not something it's not intentional. It's clearly a bug and presumably it'll be fixed in the next, you know, in the 10.8.1 whenever that comes out. You could always hope. What else is left but hope, Gene? If there's not hope, there is hope and change. Yeah, we can't change any of this stuff ourselves. So, you know, we just have to hope. Okay. Now, there's another item that you have over at McElhern.com about problems with iTunes downloads. What, pray tell? I got an email from a friend of mine um, one day saying, I downloaded a bunch of stuff. Uh, using automatic downloads. So he bought things on his iPhone and his iTunes at home was set to automatically download and a number of the tracks were truncated. They were cut off. They were the right length. They were the right size, but the music stops after a minute or two or three. 
And curiously, the next day, I bought a couple of tracks from the iTunes store, and I had the same problem on one of them. So I posted something on my blog, and I showed in a screenshot where you can clearly see where the sound cuts off. After I posted that, I got a number of emails from people I know who said they had the same problems. Now, the first friend, he had to re-download this stuff, I don't know, six times. Apple kept putting it back into his purchased queue. They didn't tell him to re-download from his purchased items list. They put it back in the purchased queue, and I'm not sure why they did it that way. Um, for him, it took six times to get the tracks that he bought. For me, they just they put it back, and I got it once. But for other friends of mine, um, they've been getting this both on purchases and on things they've downloaded from iTunes Match. Now, sometime a few months ago, I think we talked about it on the show, I tried to download... This best of Pink Floyd, the new mastered for iTunes collection with better sound, okay? And one of the songs, Wish You Were Here, I think, or one of the songs, I forget. No, it was the prelude to, I have to remember the song. You know, Another Brick in the Wall, that kind of thing. Right. And it was one of the songs that's kind of like a prelude or introduction to the next track. Right. And this particular track, I couldn't get it to download wouldn't happen mm-hmm. wouldn't work for some reason it kept warning me about a problem with the download right you, nice. you see a sort of error message in, in iTunes in the downloads and thing. they had to do all sorts of things at Apple and I complained and they gave me credits I mean Apple didn't refuse to give me a credit for the bad download you know Apple tries to be reasonable they're, they're very reasonable about that yeah okay it took a while for me to get this track to actually come through Right. Now, but this problem that I'm seeing is different because the tracks are actually downloading. You're getting a file that's the correct size and time, but the music isn't there after a certain point. It's it's extremely strange. Now, one person suggested to me it has something to do with um, that maybe the, there's a server timeout and this munges everything and, you know, a bit gets messed up, messed up in the file and all of a sudden, there's just data in the file that can't be read. Possible? I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I know enough people are saying that they've had this problem, um, that it's definitely something on you know, Apple's server side. Oh, by the way, the song I'm talking about is The Happiest Days of Our Lives. It's the introduction to Another Brick in the Wall. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we're talking about a very famous song. I went through several weeks of this agony before I could get that song to download properly. Yeah. And and that's annoying because even if Apple's iTunes support is relatively quick, they answer in say 24 hours, um it's still 24 hours each time and they reply, you download it doesn't work, you reply, you got to wait and they get back. It's it's just an annoying process. So now I have I, another problem that's really weird. I bought the album That's Why God Made the Radio, the new Beach Boys album, which is pretty decent, you know. And I look through the album And I've got it listed in the cloud and on my Mac, purchased and duplicate, purchased and duplicate. Every track is listed under purchased and duplicate. And I only bought one copy of this album, and I was only charged for one copy of this album. But I have that peculiar listing. So somewhere along the line, though, I think part of the problem we're seeing now is iCloud related. Let's relate to this with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live.
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Clear out your pantry and make room in your closets. You're going to need the space for these hot August deals at BePrepared.com. Going on now, save 23% on Provident Pantry Scrambled Egg Mix or 28% on freeze-dried strawberry slices. New this month, baking cocoa for daily use or long-term storage. Buy one of the Provident Pantry baking or dessert combos and save up to $25 off individual component pricing. Or add some weight to your water storage at BePrepared.com. The ultimate 55-gallon water barrel combo is on sale this month for only $94.99. Food and water storage is great, but 
But how are you going to cook it in an emergency? The popular Volcano 2 collapsible stove. Save $27.96 off MSRP. Go to BePrepared.com for more details and more August savings now through August 31st. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and BePrepared.com's low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern in our final segment on the Tech Night Owl Live, talking about weird behavior with iTunes and possibly with iCloud. And you're talking about failed, truncated downloads. I'm talking about just weird stuff. Like if you use iTunes Match, for example. And Apple has had a couple of fixes to iTunes Match. But as of today, we still have that weird problem where, for no reason that's discernible, from an album that's fully available in iTunes, if you rip your local CD version, which supposedly Mm -hmm. is the same thing with the same songs, some songs will be matched other songs will be uploaded. Like she came in through the bathroom window from the Abbey Road album from the Beatles. Always uploaded. I don't know of anybody who gets My, a matched me, version. Me, me, me. Since a... it's non-DRM, you can send me a copy. I bought yeah. it legally anyway. I, I, re- I remember when Lex Friedman of Macworld was doing a survey on Twitter about this um, right after iTunes Match came out. And everyone was saying they couldn't get it to match. And for me, it matched. I tried, you know, I tried that album and it matched. Now, well, it, it may, may also have be you have with... a different mix of the album or because you're in Europe that's going through a different server system. I doubt it's a different server system. I'm sure it's the same algorithm. But I did have the latest – the, the most recent remastered box set version. So it's very possible that there was something different on that particular remaster that was matching for me and not for others. I don't know. But it yeah, doesn't uh, like you. What, what I see <laughs> is that really too many albums, it's like nine out of 10 tracks match or 11 out of 12. It's like there's one track that doesn't match as if to say, if you were trying to, you know, legitimize some MP3s you downloaded someplace, we're going to say, fine, but you can't have them all, that kind of thing. That's the way it, it seems. Let's move on to a non-Apple thing. Okay. What? Portable phones, like a DEC 6 phone. And the advantage of DEC 6 is it uses a wireless frequency that's different than the normal 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi range, so it's not going to interfere with your Wi-Fi devices. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, it provides better security. And... What you're trying to do, Kirk, I understand, is get a portaphone that has a headphone jack. Well, now, not a portable phone, a fixed phone. A fixed a phone with a headphone jack phone. using yeah. DEC 6. Okay. Right. Now, I have a VTech here. Highly rated, really good sounding phone, not expensive. And I looked at the master base unit of it. It's a two line phone. Okay. Maybe that makes a difference. In fact, you'd think with a two line phone, it would be more apt to have business features mm. like a headset. It doesn't, okay? Looked all over. I even looked on the portable handsets to see, well, maybe they stuck a little earphone jack there. And no, they did not. So is this something that you can't get? It's kind of surprising. I eventually found a couple of models that do have them. There are a couple of things to consider. First of all, it's a 2.5-millimeter headphone jack, which isn't the same size as a normal headphone. You can buy an adapter 
for some reason, telephone headphones, like if you're going to a wired fixed phone um, or a call center phone, they use 2.5. Um, but very few phones seem to have this. And even the ones that do, it's hard to find the information on the on, on the manufacturer's websites that talk about this. Um, the reason I want this is I like talking on a headset. Um, I can type. I don't have to, you know, hold the phone between my shoulder and my neck, which is really annoying. If you do that eight hours a day, uh, forget about your neck. Even even fifteen minutes, you know, it's just not comfortable. And so I want a phone that, you know, I have a wireless phone. My base station is in a different room from my office. I want to be able to pick up the phone, answer it, say, "Oh, it's you. Hold on, let me put my headset on so I can take notes while." We talk that kind of thing. Um, now I you don't want to use a speakerphone. The speakerphone, the sound is terrible. It's booming. It's you know, it's never really good. You end up yelling at it because you think the other person can't hear you, whereas the other person would wish you would stop yelling. That kind of thing. They say, "Why are you yelling? Because you can't hear me. I can hear you. You're yelling. Yeah. Well, now I'm not yelling. Well, I can't understand you. So I, I bought a Siemens Gigaset phone. Gigaset's really the most popular brand here in Europe. And they have a really wide range. It, the, basically, the, the two main manufacturers are Gigaset and Philips. After that, there's not a lot. And this phone has a USB, a mini USB jack at the bottom. And I bought an adapter to go from mini USB to 3.5 millimeters to put a headset in, and it doesn't work. Now, I called Siemens Support, and I got a really nice woman. And yeah, we're going to, okay, we don't understand why. We looked in the manual, and, and there's a setting, but it should work. I tell you what, we're going to send you an adapter, and we'll see if that works. That was a week ago, and I didn't, haven't heard back from them. So At least they're trying. I mean, a lot of times you call try. these companies to get tech support. And you never get anybody who either understands the language you're speaking, and if they do, they don't understand your problem. Well, they pretend never to have heard of your problem, even if your problem is very common. It's very difficult. The first person I got spoke very poor French because I was calling French support, and I asked her what her native language was. If maybe we could speak English, it would be easier. And she said it was Croatian, and she didn't speak English. So after about 15 minutes, she finally realized that. You know, this was complicated, and she passed it on to someone else. She said, I'll take your number and have someone call you back. And then it was like a, a, a level two support person to call me back, a French person, you know, who was very nice and tried to help me and all that. But th- this person said I'd get the adapter on Monday, and I haven't heard back, and I'm just assuming that I'm never going to hear from them. I bought the phone from Amazon. I may return it. I have 30 days to return it. I may return it if I can find another one because while it's a nice phone, you know, I do want a headset. Okay, if you know anything about a DEC 6 phone with a headset, that's a normal kind of headset, you know, drop me a line. I'll send it over to Kirk, and he'll take a look. So, some, some people told me about Motorola's and stuff like that, but these are brands that aren't sold here in France. Oh, boy. Final subject to discuss, which is that right now, my son Grayson is back home. He brought his black 2008 MacBook into the Apple store, and that thing has gone through major, major repairs. He's had a couple of LCD replacements, hard drive replacements, logic board, keyboards, battery. So I said, this is not right. He's out of warranty, obviously, now. He's a year out of his extended warranty. And just when he was out of his extended warranty, Apple replaced the LCD, which is acted up again. So I called Apple, and they haven't assured me they're going to do anything yet, but they took it in the local genius at the local Apple store, who, by the way, listens to my other radio show, The Paracast. Oh, boy. You know, he he asked for my email address, and he said, oh, The Paracast, like the radio show. I said, yeah, I'm the host of that show. Oh, and he takes out his iPhone, and there it is. So he's a listener, therefore he's going to do it. Now, the choice here is 
to replace another LCD. This time, if we had to pay for it, it would be about $250. Right. But because of the nature of the repair, what he said is if they charge us, they're going to take the thing apart stem to stern, look over every system, and then make sure that it's working perfectly before they give it back to us because my son has had no end of aggravation. He doesn't yeah. go six or eight months with that computer before something major breaks. And it's not as if he's dropping it all over the place. I mean, the case has a couple of scratches because he's traveled a lot, but that's about it. Yeah, that, that MacBook, I mean, you've been telling me about that MacBook for years. Um, it seems to be the, the MacBook from hell. Everything has gone wrong. I, I wonder if there are any parts left that are from the original MacBook. The it's, case. You know, the case. The, the case. top of the case was replaced, I think, so it's the rest of the case. That's just bad luck. Well, I don't know. At least you got Apple doing something about it. Um, you know, after all they've changed, I guess it's like it, it's probably turned into a sort of what would you call it? They, they can't let it go because they've changed so much. They just have to keep changing it forever. Well, that's the question I think they have to have now, which is what do you do? Do you replace the LCD thinking that six months down the pike, my son will bring it to the store in Madrid, Spain and say, OK, the hard drive failed again or the yeah. logic board failed again, or something else failed again, or give it up and offer us a replacement. Because it's actually cheaper. They can give you a refurb of something from last year and probably be cheaper than the time they're going to spend trying to fix it. Especially in light of the history. The history yeah. is rather unsavory. Yeah. Let's talk about something <laughs> savory, okay? Let's talk about a real savory subject. Kirk McElhern, how do we find more of the things you do? Oh, boy, I'm all over the place these days. So my main website is Kirkville, McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. I'm the editor of Mac OS X Hints uh, website, so Mac OS X Hints.com still works. Um, I'm the iTunes guy over at Macworld, and every other Friday there's a column. I write tons of stuff for Macworld and more and more and more, and you know, just look me up on the interwebs and you'll find me. And the outer webs and all the webs. You find us yep. on Twitter, Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl at Twitter. My cutting edge blog is over at TechNightOwl.com. TechNightOwl.com. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me once again, Gene. Take care. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.